Welcome to Buy, Sell, Hold. I'm Mark Green from the Cars Yow podcast. And I'm Keith Martin from Sports Car Market. This is show number 26. Welcome to Buy, Sell, Hold, the sports car market podcast. Market experts and car friends for over 30 years, Keith Martin and Mark Green have come together through their mutual love for collector cars. Keith and Mark will take you on a ride into the collector car market, talking with industry experts, helping you navigate your collector car journey so that you know when to make your own decisions to buy, sell, or hold. Buy, Sell, Hold is all about the essence of collecting. The collector car world is comprised of people who buy, they sell, and they hold those cars that they love. Here on Buy, Sell, Hold, Keith and I talk with industry leaders, collectors, auction houses, consigners, sellers, and much more. The experts in the collector car market. So, Keith, I understand we're overseas today in Monaco. Who are we talking with today? Our guest today is my very good friend, Christian Philipson, who has done many, many things with collector cars in his life. And is now the president and founder of Lead, an online auction site. All right, take it away. Hello, Christian, and welcome to Buy, Sell, Hold. Let's jump right in. If you could describe the collector car market today in just one word, what would that word be and why? Hello, Keith. Hello, Mark. Good to be with you. I've been struggling to find the one single word, actually. I ended up with fascinating. Fascinating means very interesting, and the reason I picked that uh, that word is actually that I don't get it. I don't understand <laughs> the market as it is nowadays. Um, we are surrounded by bad news. I mean, there's a pandemic, there are geopolitical issues, you have racial issues, you have climate issues, you have pollution, restrictions of all kinds, and yet I find the market amazingly strong. I mean, if you look at the at the averages, they may be below the the top of the market, which we knew probably about two years ago. So, but not dramatically. Uh, I remember what happened in 1990, which is about 30 years ago, where some prices were divided by six. We are not anywhere close to that situation. And I heard, and I even heard that uh, this week. A couple of days ago, a Ferrari GTO sold for a record price of above $70 million. I have a hard time believing it. I mean, you have to be a contrarian to to believe in the current market situation. Or, you know, do buyers believe that only tangibles will, will be stores of value? I mean, they don't believe in in the currencies anymore. I have no clue. But as I said, I, I'm fascinated by what I observe, and I, I don't really get it. Oh, well, so yeah. Christian, what you're what you're saying to, to us is you don't see a kind of wave of panic selling like we saw uh, in previous times. And even with all of this disarray that's going on, people are pretty calm about the values of their cars. That is the impression that I have. And that impression, I would say, is even stronger because because of the pandemic, sales moved from live events to online events, and even that doesn't seem to have troubled the market a lot. I mean, I'm um, I'm very surprised. I would I would have thought that cars wouldn't sell or that prices would drop significantly, but doesn't appear to be the case. 
Do you think that might have to do with the fact that if people are not as confident in currencies or with political unrest or all these things going on, throw a pandemic in the middle of this thing, that automobiles are still viewed by automotive enthusiasts as being of value? Uh, I, I believe that's probably part of it. Um, you know, I, I haven't spoken to many of these people recently, and I don't know what their state of mind is, but um, we, we'd probably have a variety of, um, of answers. Obviously, you have sellers as well, because there are a lot of cars on the market. There are a lot of cars available, but they, they find buyers. And I guess the motivation, uh, the motivation of the buyers are probably different. Absolutely. You know, some, some, may, be, some may simply make contrarian bets. Uh, some, some are probably maybe carried away by the strength of the stock market. Some, some may, may doubt in the future value of the currencies they own and, uh, and go for tangibles. There may be a little bit of everything. But again, I'm, I'm fascinated. It is fascinating indeed. Well, let me give Christian a very proper introduction here. Christian Philipson is an international consultant specializing in classic cars and automotive design. He is a regularly invited judge to Concord events around the world, including Pebble Beach Concord d'Elegance. He is a founding member of the Peninsula Classics Best of the Best Awards, a charter member of the International Chief Judge Advisory Group, and has for many years chaired the juries for the Louis Vuitton Classic Awards and for Michelin's Challenge Babendum Design Awards. His list of clients includes such names as Christie's, Ferrari, Paninfarina, Renault, and many more. Christian started his career in assisting Ajax Waters, the Belgian Ferrari importer of Ecore Francorchamps fame, and is the former publisher of the respected annual automobile year. Christian has just launched a new business. It's an online auction website titled Lubelied. We'll learn more about that at the end of our talk today. We'll take a moment to uh, say a thank you to some sponsors here. And when we get back, we're going to talk with them about buying, selling, and holding. So sit tight. We'll be right back. The fourth annual Saratoga Motor Car Auction will take place on Friday, September 18th and Saturday, September 19th. It will be held at the Saratoga Performing Arts Center in the beautiful Saratoga Spa State Park located in upstate New York. Presented by the Saratoga Automobile Museum, a not-for-profit institution, this live event continues to be the premier collector car auction for the Northeastern United States. Proceeds from the auction help support the museum's educational programs and exhibits that engage, educate, and inspire the automotive community. To consign your vehicle, view current inventory, and register to bid, visit saratogamotorcarauctions.org. There you can learn how finance partner J.J. Best Bank and insurance partner Haggerty can help put you in your dream vehicle. That's saratogamotorcarauctions.org. Are you thinking of buying a car at an online auction, but worried about how to make a good decision? I'm Keith Martin from Sports Car Market, and I'm here to tell you about an exciting new product we've developed to help you be a smarter collector. The SCM Guide to Buying Online is an immediate digital download. It includes five questions to always ask and why. Also, how to protect yourself while buying online from our Legal Files columnist, John Dranius. And our auction editors walk you through what you can and can't learn from a photo. 
Visit www.sportscarmarket.com slash buying online to purchase your copy today. It's an immediate digital download and it's only $10. Again, that's www.sportscarmarket.com slash buying online and get ready to be a smarter collector. All right, we're back. So Keith, take it away. So Christian, today we are going to talk about three vehicles in your life that have been very important. A very special vehicle that you bought either for yourself or for someone else, one that you've sold and one that you would never let go of. Let's start with the buy. Tell us about a vehicle that you acquired where the acquisition of the vehicle were a very special. It is actually a car that I didn't buy for myself because I didn't have any money and I, I couldn't afford it. The car is a 1949 Ferrari 166 mm by, by Touring, chassis number 0064. At the time, I had just started working for Jack's Waters, and one day, w- walking along the street, I spotted uh, that, that car, that very 166 millimeter bucket, uh, in, inside a little garage, and I immediately stopped, walked in, and asked if the car was for sale. And um, the, the man I met said, yes, it is. I asked for the price, and it was the asking price was 120,000 Belgian francs at the time, which represented probably about $2,400. So I immediately went back to the garage, to Jack Swarters, actually, and said, Mrs. Waters, you know, I've just seen a car that, that's a fabulous car. It's a, a piece of history, very important. It was actually the first Ferrari that Olivier Jean de Bien, the Le Mans uh, winner, um, had driven, the first Ferrari that he had driven, actually. And, and Swartz replied to me, I'm not interested in old cars. I have to finance a racing team. I, you know, I'm only looking towards the future. So don't bother me with, don't bother me with an old car. And I kept insisting until, until he, he said, okay, well, you know, stop boring me. But if you can have it for 100,000 Belgian francs, okay, yeah, go, go and buy it. And he gave me, he gave me a check actually, which he signed, didn't fill in the amount telling me, and if you can buy it for less, you know, just do it. So I, I went back to the, um, to the vendor of that Barquetta, and I didn't dare offering him less than 100,000. I, I did offer the 100,000. He kicked me out. He said, you know, you're just a tie kicker, wasting, wasting my time. Um, and so I took the initiative of walking back in and said, you know, let's cut it in half, and we'll pay, I'll pay you 110, to which he agreed. I filled in. I filled in the amounts. Immediately sat in the Ferrari, drove the Ferrari back to the garage. And the first question when he came back, of course, from Swarders was, you know, how much did you pay? And I had to tell him 110. I, I mean, he was so upset. I thought I would be fired on the spot. And so, to his credit, he kept the car actually until he passed away. And years later, when obviously the value of the car had um, had gone up and way up, he kept asking whenever uh, we, we had dinner together and we're sitting with friends around us, he kept asking me, Christian, you know, tell the story of the 166 millimeter and, and loved it. <laughs> what a story. What year was that that you purchased the car? Well, this was 1966. Oh. I was... Um, I was 21 years of age, just out of the army, 
And but I I already loved cars and I was just loved Ferraris. Wow. A man that had the car for sale. You know anything about him, how he came to have the car? Had he raced the car or how did the car end up in that garage? No clue. I remember the name of the garage, though. It was Garage California. That's the only thing I remember. Don't remember the name of the guy. Don't remember how I got the car. No, no, no clue. Wow. Where is that car living today? It's living in England, actually. So when Swartis passed away, uh, his daughter inherited of the car, kept it for a few years, and then sold it. I can mention the name of the owner if you like. It's not a secret. Yes. Do you want to? Do you want to? Sure. Do you want to hear it? It's Clive Beecham. Clive Beecham owns the car. Ah. And, and drives it and shows it. I mean, is 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 a great keeper. Wow, what a story. That's incredible. Well, nice job uh, you did as a young man, a new guy in the uh, auto buying world. Isn't that incredible? Well, let's talk about a significant vehicle that you've owned and sold. This is the sold car. Maybe it's a car you let go for a client. Maybe it was one of yours. What was the vehicle? What was the decision process in letting that go? Was it easy sale or did it take some time? And looking back, do you wish you still had that vehicle? This is also a souvenir that goes years back, actually. It's not not anything to do with a significant car, uh, I would say, as, as far as the car is concerned, but it's a significant moment in my life. My very first car was an MGTC. I was just, um, I was 18 years of age and, and bought a car that was in, in derelict condition. And so I bought a second one, you know, trying to, trying to make or hoping to make a reasonably good car with from two bad ones. And um, I there, there was no space at our house to, to keep these cars. So very kindly, a neighbor um, who had a, a large garage, which he didn't need actually, authorized me to keep the cars in his garage. But one day he needed, he needed the space and asked me if I would remove the two cars from his garage for a couple of nights. Of course I did. And so I parked the two cars in front of our house. And since only one was road registered, I fit the registration number on the front of the first car and on the back of the second car (laughs) and parked them very close, very close together. So I was watching these, these two MGs, proud owner that I was. And then I see two policemen on a bicycle coming by and you know even in 19 that was um, that was 1962 even in 1962 an mgtc was already something you remarked i mean it was it was not a usual shape and so cycling by they just looked at these two tcs and then they stepped down and they walk around the cars and one has a brilliant moment when he notices that the front plate at the front of the first car is the same as the plate at, at the, on the back of the rear car. Uh-oh. And instead of disappearing, I keep watching. And so one of these policemen raises his head looking around if, you know, if he can find someone. And he sees me, of course. And with a sign, he's, he asked me, is this your car? And instead of saying no, I say yes. And he, he wants me to come down. And I mean, the story about these TCCs, one being registered, the other not, the one that was registered was not insured. The other was insured. I mean, it was such a curse. He didn't get it. And so I was uh, summoned to the, um, to the police quarters. And the fine, the, the fine I received, I mean, was so big that I needed to sell the cars to pay for it. 
And I asked my parents for help and they said, you know, you know, these are your cars. You deal with the issue. You know, we, we're not going to help you. So, that, I mean, it was a significant moment because it was a serious lesson. Oh, my gosh. How disappointing is that? Totally disappointing. And you know what? I mean, I've been so attached. I love these TCs. I actually always love them. And um, I bought another one today. I mean, I, I just signed for another one today. I think it's my seventh DC. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. Well, it's interesting to me um, because my father had a TC when I was five years old. That's the car that got me started. So the fact that you've had many of these now, I would assume this is always going to be something present in your life. Probably. I mean, this is total nostalgia, right? At my age, I mean, it's, I can't explain it in any other way. It's total nostalgia. Um, I remember them as being very slow. So the one I bought today is fitted with a supercharger. Oh, hopefully, no. hopefully that will add some power. We'll, we'll Christian, see. do you remember when you sold your TCs, like who you sold them to or how you went about selling them? Did it take you very long to make them go away? I needed I needed a quick sale because I needed the money to pay the fine, and so I just went around asking a few uh, a few dealers if they would buy the car, and one ended up buying the cars for nothing. I mean, it was the amount of the fine. Oh, that's so sad. Well, let me ask you this because you know I've never been able to drive a TC, and I've always wondered what the experience is like. Nothing like a modern car of source. So, how would you describe driving a TC? Uh, I would, it's very antique. Uh, I, I owned, I've owned several cars. The, one of them was a Bentley three liter, uh, which was a 1926 model. Well, between 1926 and 1946, I mean, no, nothing, nothing much happened in England. Certainly the MG reminded me very much. Or oh, when I, when I owned, I should put it the other way. I mean, when I owned the Bentley, I thought I had, uh, I had found another MG. It was just significantly more expensive, but uh, yeah, no, they are they are totally to, totally old cars, and as you know, it's probably it's probably the only car or one of the very few post-war cars that is um, accepted in pre-war reunions. Oh, okay. Well, there's a benefit to it. Well, it's a wonderful story, and I'm so happy that you have you have another one in your life. This is fantastic. So, Christian, let's let's talk about a vehicle that either you or someone you know will never let go of. It's a part of their life, a part of their heart, and the car will be with them forever. Uh, tell us something about a car like that in your life. You know, I actually, Jack Swartz never sold that 166 Barquetta that I, that I purchased for him. But um, returning to myself, actually, I... I, I haven't had a car that I wouldn't sell. I've had several fantastic cars. The, the most important probably was one um, was a Ferrari 250 GT Berlinetta, so-called short wheelbase Berlinetta. It was a factory car. He had won the six hours of Auvergne, driven by Willy Meres in 1961. It was the first car that raced in Japan, actually, the first Ferrari ever to race in Japan and win the race there. It was a significant, significant car. Kept it four or five years, sold it, and never regretted it. I mean, I still think it's a fabulous car, but I have no, I've never had a, a regret selling a car. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I love them. I, I love the change from a post war car to a pre war car to an older car to a newer car. I, as I said, never, never been attached to the point that I couldn't sell. 
Oh, you're a brave man. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Well, listen, we're going to take a short break. Uh, thank our sponsors here for uh, a nice little offer. And when we come back, Christian, Keith's going to talk to you about what we like to call the perfect all-around collector car. So keep that in your mind, and we'll be right back. I'm Keith Martin, and we're going to talk about Cindy Meidel and her company, Car PR USA. For three decades, Cindy Meidel has been a driving force within the collector car space. Her company has been an integral part of the launch, growth, and success of many prominent classic car auctions and Concord Elegance across the country, as well as during the famed Monterey Car Week. Her agency boasts a list of recognizable clients, offering a balance of public relations, advertising, marketing, and social media, which combined with extensive relationships, gives clients maximum exposure and brand identity. If you're ready to launch a new business or event, or need to kick an existing one into overdrive, call Car PR USA today at 480-277-1864. That's 480-277-1864, or email cindy at carprusa.com. Hey, Mark Green here. If you love the Buy, Sell, Hold podcast, you'll want to listen to my Cars Yeah podcast, where over five years, I've interviewed over 1,000 475 inspiring automotive enthusiasts. You'll have free access to my guest shows five days a week. These are amazing people who share their world around cars, trucks, and motorcycles. I take a deep dive into their businesses, and they share with you how they've wrapped their passion for vehicles into their lives. Plus, go to the CarsYeah.com website and hit the free book button, and I'll email you my free filler-up book. It's an ebook filled with beautiful fuel filler fun, and inspiring quotes from my past guests. Once subscribed, you'll get my weekly blog as well. You can find all the Cars Yeah shows on CarsYeah.com or on any mobile device using your podcast app. Just search for Cars Yeah Podcast and subscribe today. That way you'll get both Buy, Sell, Hold with Keith and me and the Cars Yeah Podcast delivered right to your mobile device or your computer. Thanks for listening. So Christian, we're back. Let's talk about what in your mind, would be the perfect all-around collector car. Not the most expensive, not the most unique, not the most important, but a car, if you had it in your garage, you'd walk out and you'd look at it and you'd say, I can't wait to get in this car to go on a tour, a rally, to a Concorde, to see my friends. I can't wait to get behind the wheel of this car. What car would that be? I, Keith, I thought you might ask this question. I've been thinking about it as well. I mean, there are two sides to your question, in fact, because a a perfect all-around car is not necessarily the car I would would wait to to start and uh, and rev up and and, uh, attend a a meeting or do a little promenade, a little ballad with friends. To me, a perfect all-around car means a rational choice. And quite honestly, I, I probably don't want to be rational about a passion. If if I had to give an answer, if you insisted, I would probably suggest a Porsche, like, like a 356 Roadster. They are reliable. They, they are air-cooled, so you, you don't have overheating issues and stuff like that. But somehow, I mean, being rational lacks excitement, right? <laughs> so, Christian, and, uh, let, Christian let's, let's take it this way. Make your answer irrational. Well, I'm getting there. (laughs) (laughs) I'm getting there. 
uh, I, I think I'd need at least two cars. I, I'd need a pair. And I, I'd probably need a pre-war car and a post-war car. And one of them should be a closed car and the other one an open car. And I, I could have a pair of one British and one Italian or a German and a French car, for instance, or an American car. To me, a, a perfect pair could be a Bentley three liter or four and a half liter with a Ferrari 250 GT Berlinetta, for instance, or an Alfa Romeo 8C and a McLaren F1. I mean, even better probably than the first uh, suggestion. Or with a smaller budget, something like a Lancia Lambda and a Lotus Elite, or even a, a TC, coming back to my beloved TC, an MGTC and an Alfa Romeo Giulietta Sprint. That um, if if money if money uh, is to be taken into consideration, uh, that uh, but one single car I think probably wouldn't make it. <laughs> You're a tough cookie to crack, Kristen. <laughs> if it had to be, you know, really, Keith, I, I I will play your game. If really it had to be one single car, it would probably be a pre-war. HC Alfa Romeo, a 2.3 or a 2.6 supercharged Alfa Romeo. I think they are absolutely brilliant cars. So Christian, let's let's talk about the world today and your business. Tell us about your new business, why you launched it, what it is. Well, first of all, I, I, I want to remain active. You know, I could be, I could, I could have retired several years ago, but I've watched, I've watched friends retiring, and some of them kept working, started a new little company and did very well, I think. I mean, remained active, remained spirited, remained bright. And, and other ones started gardening. And somehow, as, as far as I observed, they, they went down and um, they, they became slow in their minds. And, um, and I thought, I don't want to be like that. I want to keep working. So that's, um, th that was the first point. Of course, I love that world of cars. And I also, I also love sharing my experience with younger people. I was inspired by uh, something I saw in America, and you are very familiar with it, Keith. It's, uh, it's a company called Bring a Trailer. You know, it's that auction platform uh, putting sellers and, and buyers together. And we, we didn't have that in Europe, actually. So two years ago, we started working on a similar project which is called Le Bolide, we, we just launched it. So we, we are starting that activity. And I have a team, a team of young people around me. We have salespersons, we have technicians, we have um, technology people with us, and I, I, I love it. Christian, could you, could you tell us what the name means for those of us in the United States that maybe are not as uh, skilled in French? Le, Le Bolide means a fast car. There you go. Great. So, Christian, I have a question. The, the advantage to a land auction is you can walk up to a car, you can touch it, you can feel it, maybe you can drive it. What are you going to do with an online auction that allows potential buyers to have that sense of assurance that they really know what they're getting? So we try to, we try to compensate for that by, um, by ask, asking the sellers to, um, to send us a very comprehensive photographic report. We, we want 80, 100, or 120 images showing every detail and certainly every defect that is, uh, that is on the car. In addition to that, 
you know, if if a potential buyer wants to get in touch with the owner and have a look at the car, he can do so. We will be happy to put uh, to put a buyer in contact with a seller. So so they so he can go. He could go and look at the car and make an opinion for himself. The big advantage for the seller is that, of course. They can keep their cars at home. They don't need to take it to the auction site because all of that has a cost. Christian, what, what are the costs associated with listing a car with Lobolin? Well, typically we ask the vendor to pay a flat fee of 99 euros to have his car listed and to provide us with a comprehensive photographic report. The buyer will pay us a buyer's premium of 5% on the buying price. And, and do you have, with your auctions, what uh, some other online auctions are doing now, uh, a provision at the end so that if a bid comes in at the last second, that the, the auction extends to give people more time? Absolutely. We give, we give two minutes. Last-minute bids uh, lengthen the, the, the time by two minutes. And have you launched – is the site up and working now? It is, absolutely. It's, it's, uh, it was launched five days ago. So we, we have our first auctions online. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. I'll go look at it. I'll go look at it right now. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. And listeners, I'll remind you, we'll put a link to Lobolide, L-E-B-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash E-N slash. You'll find it there on the show notes page that we're going to build here for Christian at the Sports Car Market website and Carjow website, or you can just go there and take a look at it. So for those of us across the pond, as they say, we can purchase cars from you as well, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. You're welcome. We'd be delighted. Okay, great. Awesome. I'll watch for that MGTC to bring back that memory that I have with my father. That would be fantastic. Wow. Well, Keith, do you have any more questions for uh, Christian before we let him go here? No, Christian, I just think if, if you were to look ahead a few months or maybe even a year, what do you think it'll take for people to come to car events again? Well, hopefully, you know, the, the, the pandemic will soon be forgotten, hopefully. I, I think nobody knows, as, um, as per now, as we speak, I think nobody knows what the situation will be. But I think that once we are reassured, once there will be no, no more new cases, I think that activities will resume quite quickly. You know, we, we're all kind of anxious to meet again, to drive our cars again, to participate in events, in rallies, in concourse. Uh, I think life will catch up and will go back to, uh, to normal rather quickly. I, I don't expect people to remain, I would say, afraid and, um, and wanting to remain at home for a very long time once this will be cured. Absolutely. Well, Christian, uh, as the sun sets over Monaco, we'll raise a glass of champagne and thank you for spending some time with us today. You are a treasure trove of knowledge and congratulations on launching Lobolide, fantastic website where you can go and find cars at auction and find those dreams to fulfill uh, the car fun in your life. Uh, is there one little parting piece of wisdom or guidance you might offer for our listeners today when it comes to buying, to selling, and to holding their collector cars? I, yes, I mean, very definitely. I'd like to say two things, actually. One, one to answer your question, I, I would say buy a car that you will enjoy, that you will drive, that you will show. Don't buy it 
as an investment, don't look at the money side of it. Don't don't be disappointed if for whatever reason in five or ten years from now the car market or the prices will have gone down. Enjoy the car, buy something that you love. That that I would say is the first parting thought. The other thing that I'm very attached to, and I'd like to uh, to say it uh, b- before we before we separate, is that I feel it is very important that we make our passion, our hobby, attractive to the younger generation. Uh, I, I think that is very important, and I, I I do my best actually to share the passion to invite younger ones wherever, whenever I attend a show or an event. Uh, we, we need the younger generation to take over from us. Absolutely. Amen to that. Uh, definitely. You listeners out there, when we are free to go back to events, go to rallies and tours, concours events, car shows, take a young one with you. Uh, take a neighbor's friend, uh, somebody in your family. Expose them to this wonderful world because you'll be launching them into the next generation of collectible cars. And I'll remind you, listeners, that we'll put all these links to Christian's website page and all his social media. He's on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. You can find everything on his show notes page on the Sports Car Market website and the Cars Yow website. Just look under Christian Philipson and it'll all be there. Christian, thank you for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your market experience with us today here on Buy, Sell, Hold. This has been delightful. It's such a pleasure. You know, I could go on and on. (laughs) We could talk forever. Yes, Christian, it's great to hear from you. Delighted. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful evening. Good day. Have a good day. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye now. Au revoir. We hope you have shed some light today on the collector car market. You can listen to all the Buy, Sell, Hold podcasts at sportscarmarket.com and carsyeah.com. You'll find hundreds of inspiring automotive enthusiasts on the Cars Yeah website as well. Be sure to log into sportscarmarket.com and subscribe to Keith's SCM weekly newsletter. You'll find digital issues, insider event guides, and price guides, along with our platinum database, column profiles, classifieds, and many other resources. Join Keith and Mark next week to hear from another automotive industry leader who will help you determine when to buy, sell, or hold.